0: Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. This is your host, Kristen. Today, I have a special treat for you. My guest and I are going to talk about building strong relationships. We're going to talk about how do you stay married? We're going to talk about how do you transition your relationship with your children as they grow into young adults and adults, and how do we navigate those bumps, those hard things that we go through in learning how to communicate better, learning how to get the help we might need in our marriage or just for ourselves. So it's a great and powerful episode. It's really honest. And so I, I know you will get something out of this that you can apply to your own life or a resource that you can use. Have you ever imagined building a life you love, but got stuck in between the what ifs, expectations, and obligations in your life? Welcome to Building a Life You Love, the podcast dedicated to helping you step into a life where your passion blossoms from within, your faith deepens, and simplicity becomes your favorite synonym for everyday life. Hi, I'm your host, Kristen, an encourager, a faith-led entrepreneur, a mom, and a wife. Join me each week as we dive into creating positive habits, stepping out of your comfort zone, making space for meaningful work and relationships. I'm going to bring you practical tips, uplifting conversations, and expert guidance that you can use. So why wait? Step off the path of expectations and into a space that feels genuinely yours. Subscribe now to Building a Life You Love, and let's begin this transformative journey together towards joy, peace, and purpose. Hi, today on the podcast, I would like to welcome my guest, Becky Baudouin. She is not only a friend, she's an author, a speaker, former colonist for the Chicago Daily Herald, and she's been speaking to various audiences for more than 12 years. She loves to weave together personal stories and transformative truths to encourage and equip others who are walking through the ups and downs of everyday life. She is also a wife to Bernie, and she's been married to close to 29 years, and she has three grown daughters. And she is the author of two books, Enjoy Every Minute and Other Ridiculous Things We Say to Moms, and the other is Cancer, Faith, and Unexpected Joy, What My Mother Taught Me About How to Live and How to Die. And I just want to welcome her today, but before I do, I want to share with you that today we're going to be talking about building strong relationships. How do we weather the storms, the ups and downs of marriage? How do we navigate the waters of having our children transition from being at home and then through young adulthood into adulthood? And so we're going to talk about these things. We're going to get real. And then we have a tool for you that you can use uh, in your conversations and your relationships as well. So I want to welcome her. Welcome, Becky.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you.
0: Yeah, to be here. Wonderful. So Becky, can you first just share with us a little bit about your backstory and what life looks like for you now?
1: Yeah. So in addition to what you shared, um, our oldest daughter is married. So two of our daughters live out of state. We're in the Chicago area right now. And then our youngest is a freshman in college. So we're recent empty nesters. We're actually getting ready to move to Michigan where our older two daughters are. I'm from Michigan. So it's something we've dreamed about for a long time. We've talked about it and now it's actually happening. And it's kind of like super exciting and scary all at the same time, because we've lived here in the Chicago area for like over 25 years. Mm-hmm. So in a way, this has felt like home, but we don't have family here. We've got great friends, but we're we're moving towards some things that are that we really value, you know, relationships with our kids, reconnecting with extended family, that kind of thing. But it's a big change, you know?
0: Wow. So it is and that's so exciting. But like you said, I can absolutely see where that's Intimidating and scary to make such a big move after 25 years. We've lived in our same place for a really long time as well, so I've not made yet a move like that.
1: Yeah, the downside is that we are cleaning our house so thoroughly. I wish we could, (laughs) a part of me is like, I wish we could live in such a clean house because we're getting rid of so many things. And, um, but our new house will, you know, we'll start fresh. There's something, um, exciting about starting fresh in a new place and leaving behind whatever we want to leave behind, and um, so yeah, it's a big, it's a big moment.
0: Yeah. I love that. And actually I've, that's been something I've been working towards is getting rid of the 25 years plus of being in yeah. the same house with three kids going from, you know, no kids to little kids to minor high ending high school and college. And yes. We have so much stuff. Like I, I mean, I donate stuff every month, but it's not yeah. enough. We need to do yeah. like a purge as if we were going to move. And so I mm-hmm. absolutely know what you're talking about. And, yeah, You're so right, because in my future home, I want to be much more minimalistic, right? Yes. I want to get yeah. rid of all the extra that I don't really need anymore. Yeah. Yes. So good. So, okay. So tell us, let, let's dig into marriage. We've both been married. I've been married to almost 25 years. This summer will be 25, and you're, you're hitting around 29. Mm-hmm. So let's just dig in for a few minutes about what that looks like and what that takes to stay married, you know, in yeah. this time. um you know, in the time we, we now live in. So what, I guess, what would you share with us as to what have you found or have, has allowed you to stay in your marriage and to keep working on your marriage to show up and choose each other?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, so uh, first of all, everything really that I talk about in my speaking and my writing, it's all the stuff All of the topics that I need help with first. So it's all the work that I've done and that we've done in our marriage and our family. And then I just naturally, you know, speak on that and write about that. So Bernie and I were involved in marriage ministry. We still are for like over 20 years. So not only have we gotten a lot of help for our marriage, but we learn a lot just walking alongside other couples who are experiencing similar challenges that we've had, but also, you know, things that we maybe haven't gone through. So there's a lot of, richness comes from just doing life with other couples. Mm. Um, but I love that question about staying married, because I've thought about writing a book that's called Stay Still Married, right. <laughs> like how, yes. like the, the art of persevering in marriage, because, and everyone is different. You know, we always heard the first couple years of marriage were the hardest. That was not true for us. We had right. a few very, I would say, pretty easy first couple years. And then for us, things got really hard, maybe like around year seven, eight, nine, 10, like those years were brutal. And we hit places in our marriage where I remember thinking, this is where people walk away. This is where people call it quits and say, we just, irreconcilable differences, like we can't. And for us, and I think for um, for a lot of people, especially Christians, I had an expectation going into marriage that, well, we love each other, we're Christians. So we should be really good at this. (laughs) I should be able to have a great marriage because, you know, of those two things. And what I found is that for both of us, we brought baggage into our marriage from the families that we grew up in. And it's not to bash our parents, because now we're parents. And I know for a fact that our adult daughters are doing some counseling. And I'm sure they're talking about ways that, you know, things in our home, shaped them and things that they need some help with. So nobody is perfect. It's not about blaming your parents, but it's about understanding how your past is impacting your present. And so we, we got a lot of help. We went to counseling. We joined this marriage workshop at our former church. We learned a lot about family of origin issues, how to communicate, how to resolve conflict and work through conflict and really what to do with the gap. That we have. And when I talk about that gap, we grew up with it. Our parents, my parents were strong Christians, but there was this big gap between what we talked about in church and what I knew we believed in our faith, but what actually happened in our home during the week. And people didn't know. Nobody knew how much my parents were struggling, they didn't know about the out of control anger and even some of the abuse that was happening in our home. So that was really confusing for me as a child. And I was devastated to find that we had a gap in our own marriage when we hit those years, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. And that's our brokenness. That, and then so really, I think, how do you stay married? Is you acknowledge that gap. You acknowledge those growth areas, and you get the help that you need.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, that's so good. And I think one of the things that was coming up for me is, you know, because my husband and I have very different ways we approach our faith. Well, I'll just say that. He's a very much more quiet, private person, you know, about a lot of things. And so for him, he's not very comfortable talking about certain things, even with me, right? So that's, we both have our areas as all of us to work on, right? And so for mm-hmm. me, I'm the one that kind of wants to like go at something and he, that doesn't make him comfortable. And so one one of the things I've found is for me, it's what is my mind? I mean, both of our, but what is my mindset and what's my perspective? Right. And so, in other words, if I come to something and I realize, hold on, how was I approaching that? Was I getting irritated with him? But but did he actually do something or was I coming to the table or to thinking something in my head that isn't actually true? Right. And so I've mm-hmm. always had to be careful to catch myself instead of thinking something negative about my husband. I'm not saying there's not things we should bring up that maybe need to get worked on. Right. Or we need to share something that's you know bothering us. But I'm talking about, there's other times where I have to remind myself, like, hold on, let me speak the truth about my husband to myself, Mm -hmm. right? Like, let me remind myself of all the good, amazing things he's doing instead of getting hyper-focused on some nitpicky thing. And so for me, a lot of times it's the mindset work, you know, that either of us or both of us have to do, but especially I do to make sure I'm reminding myself, just like when we think of ourselves or of God, I have to remind myself of, all the good things that are going on in our marriage. It doesn't mean there's not things to work on, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to brush that under the rug, Mm -hmm. but I think sometimes we can get so focused on something that needs to get worked on that we stop celebrating the good things in our marriage or the good things about our spouse. Yeah. Would you add anything to that?
1: Yeah. I'm just thinking about exactly what you're saying when you get into that critical mindset, Mm -hmm. Criticism, like criticism breeds more critical thinking is what I have found. So I remember in those really difficult years of marriage, one time the kids were down for a nap and I was having my quiet time with the Lord. And really what I was doing was just complaining about my husband, yeah. criticizing, just complaining. And I really felt like God just said, stop, just stop. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea that I should get a piece of paper and I should write down 10 things that I appreciate about him. And so I did this, and but I'm sitting there and I could not get started. I sat there and thought like I can't, I don't even know what to say because I had been in such a critical rut. And yeah. so it took me a little time and I think I started with something very basic, you know, that I could appreciate about him. And then the more that I did that, I didn't stop at 10. I went like to 20. I filled the front and the back of a page. I gave it to him. And he still has it in our medicine cabinet in our bathroom that he can look at. It was so powerful to him and it made the shift. So again, it's really important. We're not saying just overlook the, the things that need to be addressed or fixed or enable somebody's really toxic behavior or, you know, we're not saying that, but there is something to shifting your focus to be grateful and to appreciate the good qualities you know, if you're going to work with that.
0: Absolutely. And I think that goes towards our spouse and our kids, because, mm-hmm. you know, our, we don't grow when we're just continuously criticize any of us, yeah. right? Like, in other words, we, we grow. Yes, there might be a lesson we need to learn. There might be, but we need to focus on how do we enable each other? How do we encourage each other? And we have mm-hmm. to do that some of the time, hopefully most of the time with remembering, you know, and then telling them these things, like speak those positive affirmations over them, because. My guess is if we asked our spouse or our kids, hey, have I said this to you lately? Have I told you this is how I feel? And I think we think it more than we speak it. And so I yeah. think it is important for us to keep sharing. Like you said, mm-hmm. you gave a whole list. And I think that's a great idea. Like, yeah, you know, I remember asking my husband before, like, well, why did you marry me? Like, why did you love me? You know, and but mm-hmm. we don't talk about that all the time. But it is wonderful to hear from the other person's you know, mouth. Like, why do you care about me? Why are we together, right? Even after all these years, like why do we still choose to show up, you know? Yeah, we all want to hear that. We all want to know that, yeah. And I think another thing that's important in marriage, at least for me, staying married, is we have to be curious about each other, right? We can't just assume that, oh, you like these things and that's still exactly what you like and I'm just going to be on autopilot, right? We have to be proactive, but we also have to be curious, you know, Oh, I noticed that you really like wearing this certain color now, or you, you seem to pick up these flowers for yourself. You know? So I think we, we need to be curious. We need to ask each other things. And I think sometimes in marriage, it's easy to, especially when you have children, right. As you're raising them, mm-hmm. it's easy to get on autopilot and not put that kind of effort in Yeah, for marriages.
1: Yeah. I think our marriages get pushed to the back burner when we have kids Yeah, and it's, it's, it's a natural thing that happens because our kids need so much from us and we're exhausted. Mm -hmm. But it's a very intentional thing to like move the marriage back to the front burner and make sure that you're spending time together, that you're addressing the areas that need some work and that you're getting help if you need help. And it's what our kids want. It really is. We we try to be consistent over the years with date nights. And even when our, our girls would cry because the babysitter was coming, I knew deep down that it, was good for them. I knew that it was meeting a need for security that they had to see mom and dad go out and have fun together. And also, we would go to our counselor and bring our kids and they would wait in the waiting room. And our counselor was awesome. He would give them this big pad of paper with like markers. And so they would like draw pictures and stuff. And again, a part of me just felt like, you know, this, this is terrible that we have to go to counsel. I had such a negative view of it at first. And then I began to see This is the best thing for our kids to see. They see that we are working on things. We are here. We are committed. And, um, so our kids have seen us work really hard. And I think the upside of that too, you know, not that you fight in front of your kids terribly, but I think it's important for them to see the reality of marriage so they don't grow up with an expectation that, you know, marriage should be easy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we meet couples all the time who will say, yeah, my parents never fought. I never saw my parents fight. And they have a story that maybe they had no conflict. Right. And so I think that there's something normalizing that you do go through some hard seasons in marriage. And you, you know, when you can, you persevere. And I say when you can because I'm always thinking of maybe someone who's listening who maybe is in an abusive marriage or a situation where a next step for you might look different. And I hope that you could get help and get some real good, godly counsel for that. But I think for many of us, we need support. That's like a big part of it.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you're so right, because I think there is a lot of perceptions around marriage before you get married, especially, or early marriage that you think, what is wrong with me? Like something must be wrong with us or we shouldn't be together. And I'm not saying there are cases where maybe that's true. And like you said, absolutely. We're not speaking to people that are in marriages that uh, have, you know, issues that may not be able to be resolved or that you need to get help or safe to safety. You know, that's something different. We're talking about marriages that both people love each other. There's nothing going on that's harmful, if you will. Mm -hmm. Right. And so- Mm -hmm. But I I think it's uh we do have to be honest about what marriage looks like. And so that's talking with our friends that could be getting counseling, right? It could be doing, Mm -hmm. um, reading books, you know, together, but it's, it's checking our mindset. It's, it's so many things and there's so many tools is the good part. But I think you're so right. If we, if our kids grow up thinking that there's never going to be challenges or struggles, that there's never going to be disagreement, you know, that we're not sometimes going to maybe say something that we wish we hadn't later, even though, of course, we probably try not to do that. But most of us, it's probably happened. And so I think it's so true, because often the people that struggle in the beginning of marriages had no real expectation of what a marriage is really going to be, right? Because Mm -hmm. they had this idea in their head. Oh, well, we'll never have conflict. and we'll, You know, it'll just be amazing. And we'll be in love. Well, a marriage is both. Uh, it takes commitment, right? It takes mm-hmm. respect. I mean, actually, I just heard a really good sermon the other day, and he said marriage is not a contract. I mean, yes, there is a paper we signed, but it's a covenant, right? Right. That's what God calls it. Is a covenant. And so, one, we're choosing to be there, but it's really that bringing us together. And so, mm-hmm. I think people have to realize that that's what we're talking about, right? It's not mm-hmm. just a legal contract where we're saying we're going to be in this thing together. I mean. By law, by the state, you know, there, yeah. there is that. But we're really talking about this coming together in, a, you know, creating this covenant together.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I think that in God bringing us together, I mean, I, I'll be honest, in those really hard years in our marriage, we went through a couple of really hard seasons, I would say. Mm-hmm. But I remember just crying out to God and saying, like, we are the worst possible combination of people you could have put together. Because my husband... Has, you know, he was having all this anger at that time, and I couldn't handle it because I'd grown up in a home where anger was not expressed in a healthy way. So I was getting triggered left and right. I would, he would get angry. I would withdraw. He would kind of pursue me because he couldn't stand the way it felt to be in a fight with me. He wanted to solve it. And I just was like, what were you thinking? You know, we're the worst combination you could have put together. And now I realized that what it really was was a chance for both of us to grow and to be healed from a lot of the wounds that we had. And now we're in such a great season. I'm so grateful that we, as we enter this empty nest season, that we have each other and that we're going through it together. And I'm aware of the people that I know who in this season have gone through divorces or are right now realizing we have nothing in common where everything was about the kids and now the kids are gone and we just don't love each other anymore and they're going through divorces. And so it's, I just... I'm so glad that we got the help that we needed, that we fought for what was so important to us and that we've grown together because that's really what we've done. I feel like we grew up together. <laughs> nice. We've grown a lot together.
0: Well, when you spend a long time with somebody, you are going yeah. to change over those, that, those years. As many Yes. You know, I yeah. definitely keep changing and I think it's important and healthy for us to, right, to learn and to grow yeah. you know, both in our relationships, but also as people. Yes. Know? And uh, I think that's how we were designed. Yeah. What about people that are in a marriage, you know, and they are at that point of struggling or, for like you said, or empty nesting. And they're thinking, I love my spouse, but I'm just not sure about how to strengthen it. How do I, mm-hmm. how do I actually see if I can make this stronger and better in my future than mm-hmm. feeling like the best is behind me? Do you have any advice for someone that might be in that situation?
1: I mean, the, the first thing I would say is just come like be intentional. I think in other areas of our lives, if our car, if the warning lights go on in our car, we don't just like take the car directly to the junkyard and leave it there and say like, this car is a piece of crap. Like I don't want it anymore. We take it to the mechanic and we find out like how to fix it. If we have a medical issue, you know, most of us are like, eventually we'll be like, I got to go to the doctor. I got to figure out what to do to get better. And so I think in relationships, and it's not just marriage, it can be in friendships or there's so many broken relationships. So it's, okay, well, let's again, let's put this back on the front burner. What can we do for some couples? It might just be reconnecting. Like maybe there's still something there that's really good and they just need to make time for each other and make that a priority. For some people, there may be things that they really have to work through. So it could be, I've mentioned counseling several times. My husband was willing. To go, he wasn't excited about going, but I was pretty firm and like we need help. And if you're not willing to go with me, I'm going to go by myself. But I really hope you'll come with me. And he did end up coming with me, and it it, it saved our marriage. And we did not find a good counselor the first time. Mm -hmm. I will tell you that Mm -hmm. we've been to several, and one one counselor that we went to, uh, she got so triggered by us and our conflict that she just said, "I'm sorry, I don't think I can help you." Wow! And that was a moment of like. Oh, my gosh, if she can't help us, like we are, you know, and but we didn't stop. I asked another friend and she said, try this guy. He's has he's I know he's a counselor. And, you know, I've heard really good things about him. And we went to him. Mm-hmm. And again, we were like fighting in his office. We had so much energy around like these conflicts we were having. And he listened. And then he looked at us and said, my wife and I have gone through something really similar. I can help you. So it's not giving up. It's it, you try a counselor and it doesn't work. Try somebody else, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say a lot of marriage ministries because I think it's something that's really lacking in the church right now. But there are there is a it's like a, um, a workshop, I think it's called reengage. And I want to look into it more because we're moving to Michigan. And I want So I haven't looked it up and looked at it closely. But joining a marriage workshop at church or even going to a marriage conference or something like that. Or sometimes they have marriage mentor ministries in a church where you could just meet with another couple. Mm -hmm. But getting some people around you that are also looking to strengthen their marriages can be great, especially if you have a spouse that doesn't really want to go to counseling. That can be another thing that could be really good.
0: Absolutely. Years ago, when our kids were much younger, I remember we uh, we went to a series that was at a church. It wasn't even our church. It was like, yeah. you know, but they were offering this marriage series. And, you know, it was Friday nights. Maybe it was six weeks. I don't recall exactly how long. But, you, you know, the first part of it was with all the other couples, you know, at the church and the kids, you know, had they got to play and have pizza and, and have childcare there. So the first part of the evening was a short video and then getting in groups with the couples, you know, and talking through it. And then the last half was because it was geared towards, you know, Mm being couples with young kids. You went to dinner by yourself, just the two of you and our kids had a great time. We had a good time. And while my husband sometimes like marriage and faith isn't always his favorite thing, right. To dissect, but he felt safe in that environment, you know, the way they did it, it wasn't like it was a microscope just on us. And mm-hmm. it didn't feel too long, right? Because then we could break yeah. off, we just go to have dinner, and you were, of course, supposed to continue the conversation about yeah, whatever the questions were that night. But it was, we really enjoyed it. I think we wow.
1: did it years.
0: So there's things like that where if you don't have a big something you need to work on, but you just want to kind of rekindle or kind of step yeah. in, you know, bring faith into your marriage more. Mm-hmm. That was a great kind of segue for us just ask some of the things with that, you know, cause if I go to my husband and say like, Oh, here, read this whole book. He's not, he just isn't going to do it. It's just right. not his, it's just not his thing. Right. And so yeah. it's something like that. It was bite-sized. So for mm-hmm. him, that worked really well for us. You know, there's yeah. conversations. Yeah. There's So many, uh, tools. There's so many, there's so yeah. much content out there. And like you said, there's people that are ready to try to help guide you. Yeah. And uh, one, I saw this data point the other day, and I might not have the number exactly right, That they said, and this is something still in my own marriage. It's not something we do all the time. You know, I'd like it to be more. But couples that pray together, more of them stay together. I think it was Mm -hmm. something like couples that pray together. It's some number, like it's less than one couple out of ten or something like that that end up not staying together. So most Mm -hmm. of the couples that have prayer in their marriage stay Mm -hmm. together more than the couples that don't 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 do that at all. Yeah, just bringing God into your marriage. You know, yeah. Even if it's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. At this point, It's something I think to slowly explore, try to add in a little bit of. Yeah. I love that.
1: And I think when you say that, it's like, that's an old thing, like couples who pray together, stay together. Right. And I, it's kind of always rubbed me a little wrong because my family, I feel like my fam- my parents were Christians. They did not stay together, but I don't know that they prayed together. When you said that, what I thought of is vulnerability. When you pray right. with somebody. Absolutely. It's one of the most vulnerable things you can do. And um, so I love that. And I think when my husband and I do pray together, and we need to get into a habit of it, because sometimes if we're not doing it, that becomes a habit, too. But um, that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And one thing I would say is, if you're like, Oh, I can't, I don't think my spouse would ever want to be willing to pray out loud with me. Some people are just like, I I never can pray out loud. Something that you can do with your spouse and with your kids, and it's such a great way to connect, is just ask them, How can I pray for you today? And it brings in that vulnerability where you can pray for them, but they will tell you something that they're struggling with, maybe something that's coming up that they're anxious about. And it's a way of connecting. And that has worked really well for my college aged and adult kids. If I want to know, like, Hey, how are you? I just get a, I'm fine, you know. But if I say, How can I pray for you today? I'll almost always get. Something much deeper, and it's a way of connecting as well.
0: So, I yeah, and, like, and I'm not the first to say like, "Ooh," because, like I said, my husband and I—that is an area that we we have different viewpoints, right, on how we yeah. experience and share our faith. Mm-hmm. And so, while we might, you know, pray at dinner or at, like say prayer, it, it, that is a harder area for us. Like that's we're still a work in progress, right? And yes. so, I would just encourage you. Like, I get it. For a lot of people, that's not how either you were raised or you're not comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. doing that. I'll, so I think your idea um, is a great suggestion. And yeah. I even have books, you know, like couples devotionals, one a week. So yeah. it might be that I just take a picture of it and I just send it to my husband and say, you know, I'm I'm going through this because he may mm-hmm. or may not want to, right? And mm-hmm. just send it to them because sometimes people just want to process it on their own time. Yes, but I think you're totally right. It's about vulnerability and it's about having deep, honest conversations. Uh, and prayer allows us to do that. And of course, there's mm-hmm. pr- a power in praying. You know, more than one of us together. So you right. know, it could be with friends. It doesn't have to be your spouse. But yeah, I thought that was a really interesting data point. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. Uh, what about, let's dig in for a minute about uh, having, you know, young adult children and what that looks like. You know, we've definitely, uh, we've had our, you know, challenges and our ups and downs with that. Yes. And uh, I feel like we're at an okay place. You know, there's still some things that we're working through with our, with some of our kids, yes. especially since COVID. But um, just what would you say about building strong relationships, you know, foundationally there? What have you? Learned?
1: Yeah. Well, same. We, we have had some real struggles as well as our, you know, I have struggled more than I ever anticipated. I didn't really think about what it would be like to have my kids grow up and leave home mm-hmm. and that tearing away. And that, um, you know, just I, I remember thinking, how do I just stop being a mom? Like when my when, when our youngest left for college mm-hmm. and then the house is empty. And I just felt, I remember, I, and it's like, that's not true. I am still a mom. I just have to learn how to do it differently in this season. So um, we've been through struggles too. And, and part of the struggle is just not having control and seeing, you know, whether it's choices they're making or the path that you kind of see them on, that you just can, you want to say, don't go that way, you know, or you just you worry about maybe they're not taking good care of themselves or there could be some self-destructive habits or patterns that you see. And the reality is that we can do a lot of things in this season with adult kids to come alongside and support them and to love them. But telling them what to do is not one of those things. And it's really, really hard. So For me, I mean, even in church on Sunday, I just oftentimes when we're singing worship songs, I'm just turning those into prayers and praying for my kids. Mm -hmm. And I remember just thinking my kids are in process just because they're not where I would like to see them right now, whether it's in their, in their life with their, you know, job or their career, or maybe you have a child that is getting a little older and is not married yet, or maybe they're married, but they don't have kids and you don't know if they're going to, or maybe spiritually. You're, you, you're not really happy with what you're seeing. Maybe there's an addiction that you're noticing or something that is concerning to you. So whatever it is, I just keep thinking like they're not, they're still in process. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know, our job right now is to not mess up our relationships with them as we are struggling. Mm -hmm. You know, like to not step in and try to control, to not criticize. It can be difficult when there's something that does need to be addressed. Like if there's an addiction or if there's some sort of abusive behavior or something like that, then even with that, it's showing up and being able to have hard conversations. But at the same time, continue to recognize that you can't tell them or make them do something that they had. So I have found prayer to be an absolutely incredible, powerful. Tool in this season. As I bring it to God and I pray specifically, I've seen God change hearts and create a desire in them to do something that would be a good next step. It's been incredible to me. So shifting the focus from telling them what to do, to, you know, to being more of a consultant or a coach, if they're open to that. But going to God and just growing in, in my trust with Him and, and yeah. figuring out why is it so hard for me to trust Him.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we've definitely gone through lots of the types of things that you mentioned yep. you know, in our with our own family, and for me, absolutely, prayer is a big part of it. I know mm-hmm. some of the things that happened or didn't happen, if you will, are a hundred percent that mm-hmm. God was intervening. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is I think it's you're so right. It's we have to be careful not to criticize too much mm-hmm. because we need to have conversation, but mm-hmm. not too much, right? Like you said, if, mm-hmm. if it's conversation, is trying to tell them. Instead mm-hmm. of we just need to be developing our relationship with them in this new place. Yeah. And so for me, I, I still have all three kids at home, even though two are adults and one's finishing high school because they're both, co- they're both in college or, or finishing college. But, you know, one of the things they love doing is playing games. And so that's still one way that we can connect. It's not the only yeah. way. Right? They will also a lot of times go to dinner with us or do something like that, but I have to meet them where they're at. Yeah. And so I think it's important to remember that. And like you said, you can't. It is changing, right? They are now adults. I mean, mine are still at home, but I still have to, like you said, I can't. You can't just be critical all the time and expect that you're going to build on that. Yeah. Anything else you just want to share about, you know, building strong relationships with our adult or young adult children? I think a couple of the
1: things I remind myself of as I see things that are concerning, as I sometimes feel hopeless or I feel despair because my mm-hmm. kids are, you know, it looks like they're not okay in certain areas. Is I'll just say like what I told you, they're, they're still in process. God is still working. And I'll tell myself a lot. Also, their story's not over.
0: 100%.
1: And you even hear research that backs up like their, you know, their frontal lobe of their brains are not even developed till they're 25. I've heard that back now to 28. And if you add alcohol or drug use in during those years, it's, it probably prolongs that even more. So it's, It's recognizing that they're in process, and part of the way that they will learn and grow is by making some bad decisions and hopefully learning from them. So, my friends and I will say that all the time: "Story's not over, God's not done working." You know.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think two things there. One is you mentioned friends, and I think it's really important to have a close confidant. You know, normally there are friends uh, that Mm -hmm. we can share real life with, right? We can Mm -hmm. tell all the things that are really going on in our relationships or with ourselves, but Mm -hmm. because in, when we share together, you realize you're not alone and walking through hard things. And it just, it makes you realize, okay, like I'm going to get through this or my kid's going to get through this. And I think, so having those close, you know, a close person or a couple people, you know, that can, can walk through you with these things and also pray for you, I think is super important. And the other thing is, how we handle our relationships, both our marriages, you know, but then also our our adult kids going through hard things or going through the middle, the messy stuff. It's how we handle it. They're going to take that into adulthood with them. You yeah. know, do we want them? In other words, how do we want them to be when they get into their relationships, into their thirties, 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond with yeah. a significant other or if they have children and yep. how we treat them then is going to have a great impact. I mean, it matters how we, raise them, but it's it yeah. also matters how we treat them in those eight the teenage years, between mm-hmm. years and the twenty somethings. And I think yeah. we just have to remember that. Yeah. You know, so important.
1: And it's okay to come back if if you don't get it right and say, you know what, can I have a do over? I yes. didn't handle that conversation right. Can we try it again? And to own your stuff. Yep. Um I wanna recommend a book that has been just incredible for me if you've got a child who really is struggling, but it's called Prayers for Prodigals. Hmm. And it's by James banks, and it's just filled with prayers for all different kinds of concerns that we might have. It's filled with scripture, but the way that he that he writes these prayers it's just every time I'm struggling and I go and I pick that book up and I find a prayer to pray, it does something spiritually for me that is' just it shifts my perspective to away from this problem that I see, the hopelessness that I see you know with my eyes to who God is, and what he can do. And um, so again, prayers for prodigals, I have recommended it to so many friends. And we all kind of say, like, we don't want to leave it out. Like, we don't want our kids to see that we think they're a prodigal. So my one friend, I said, get a pretty piece of paper and like make a book cover and just put something over the front of it. But you you know, you've got to get this book. So um, yeah, and I think communication is such a big part of that. And that's what the empathic dialogue wheel is so great for Mm -hmm. is processing through our emotions and our thoughts and a lot of the, a lot of the stuff that if we just off the cuff, kind of go into a conversation and we're reactive, we can do some damage. That's like really hard to undo. Yeah. If you say words that you can't take back. Mm -hmm. And so it's, this has been huge for my husband and I, and it's, it's shaped the way I communicate being able to use this, this process. It's kind of like a wheel.
0: Yeah, so tell us just a little bit about that. You know, I know we don't have too much time, but maybe people can then dig into it deeper on their own.
1: Yeah, so we call it the Empathic Dialogue Wheel. It goes back to I think like the fifties, and Sherrod and Phyllis Miller are the ones who developed it. Now, what I'm finding is it's called more the Awareness Wheel, and it's been sort of it's sort of morphed over the years, and just you know, it's a little different than maybe the way that it used to be. But basically, it's first and foremost, it's a way of processing for yourself something that is something that happened, whatever the issue yes. is, before you go and talk to somebody. And sometimes I'll just process it. And I don't even go have a conversation. It's just for me, to help me process. And you know, last, um one of the last big conflicts I had was about a year ago, with one of my adult daughters. And it was just I felt like it came out of nowhere. It didn't really didn't, there were some things building. Mm-hmm. But you know, I had visited her and some things happened. And I was really upset. Like I couldn't even sleep that night. And the next day, she she had texted me. And you know how when you text back, if someone's not feeling great, like they normally are, they leave out a few emojis, they the punctuation is different. She could tell that something was wrong. And she asked me, are you upset? And I just thought, I'm going to be direct. I'm just going to say, yeah, I'm upset. Mm -hmm. And she was like, why? And she had company. So we couldn't talk. So I did it in a text. And by the time she called me, I was on the road driving to visit my sister. And we had a fight. We had a terrible fight because it it was just, I did not take the time to process first why I was even upset. And she didn't have a chance to do that either. And we did so much damage. It's, you know, it's taken us a long time to... I feel like to get back to maybe where we were before that. And we're both growing. But the basic breakdown of this is, number one, and you can write this down if you're listening, you state the issue. Mm -hmm. So you just in one sentence write down what happened. It could be an event. It could be a conflict. I disagree with you over this. like Whatever it might be, the situation I want to process is this. The second step is starting soft. And this goes back to what we talked about before. It's an affirmation for the person. So with my daughter, I was able to say, you know what? She she has a lot on her plate right now. And I know that she is feeling super depleted. And it's not making an excuse for what happened, but it's she's working really, really hard. And then in addition to affirming the other person, it's taking ownership for what you didn't handle right. Mm -hmm. So when you talk to somebody and you start that way, something I really appreciate about you is this, or it could even just be thank you so much for being willing to listen to me share this. And I want to own that I didn't do this right, or that I'm so sorry that I said those words. It's a way to soft to start soft. Then the third step is facts, and this is where you want to be like um, you want to be like a journalist. Like, what did you see? What did you hear? What was said? What happened? If the other person is already going to come back and kind of argue that that's not a fact, it's probably not a fact. Like, you can't say the fact is you were really selfish. Right. That's actually not a fact. The fact might be you did this behavior and the way that I'm judging you is that you're selfish. So you have to stick with what happened only, just the right. facts. Then the, the number four is your feelings and you want to stick with just the, there's six or seven main feelings. Happy, excited, tender, angry, scared, and Sad, angry, scared, happy, excited, tender. Sachet is the acronym there. So you just say how you felt. You know, I felt angry. I felt sad. I felt really scared. You know, share your feeling, write that down. And then number five is the big one. It's our stories. And you talked about this earlier. It's the, what is the story I'm making up in my head? What are my thoughts? What are my judgments or my opinions about this? And again, that's where you're thinking. You're so selfish. Yeah that was so rude of you to do that. You don't care about me. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, you're not being respectful. Those are all judgments. They're not facts. And when you use the language, the story I'm making up about you is Mm. right away, take down the defensiveness because you're not saying it like it's a fact. Nobody wants to be labeled as being a selfish person or an immature person. So when you when you kind of you know, encompass that and something like the story I'm telling myself about you is you're immature. You're right away saying, I might be right, I might be wrong.
0: Right. It's a story. It's just my perception. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And sometimes our stories are about us. The story I tell myself about me is that I'm a difficult person to live with or I'm not, you know, deserving of being respected or whatever it might be. And then number six is our desires and needs. I heard this the other day And then I read it again this morning. Expectations without communication lead to conflict. So it's the desire and the need. And the need, you got to be really clear on this. It's not a demand. So, especially in marriage, it's not, I need you to fill in the blank. It's, I'm aware that my need, I have a need for connection or I have a need for appreciation. There's identity needs. Yeah. And there are. Intimacy needs. And I'm going to just share a couple of these because people have a hard time figuring out what they need. Again, it's not a demand on the other person. So, intimacy needs would look like affection, attention, comfort, security, support, connection, or safety. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then, identity needs would be more like acceptance, approval, appreciation, encouragement, respect, validation. And again, in marriage, it's not, you know, I have a need for affection or whatever. So I need you to every single day kiss me or hug me or we need to have sex or whatever it might be. It's not a demand. You're just voicing what your desire or your need is. And what this does is this wheel creates safety so that you can share and be vulnerable and hopefully minimize the defensiveness. And then the final step is action or next steps. And that's about me. Next time, I will seek to do this differently. Or in a marriage, you could say, I I would love it if next time we could maybe do this. Or maybe if you're talking about your financial situation, maybe it's, I'd love for us to sit down and come up with a budget. So it's your, again, it's an action step that you can take. But what we find is that action, you might think it's all about solving the conflict, but this is really about just listening and understanding the other person. And when you do this in marriage, each person gets a chance to go through their wheel and talk the entire time. And the other person is just listening and repeating back what they hear, asking clarifying questions, but you're not debating anything. And then the other person gets a chance, but you always want to write it out first. And so it's, it can be used multiple ways as a personal reflection tool, as a way to help you prepare for a conversation. And it, it can be used with two people doing it and then
0: taking turns and being
1: able to share through something.
0: So powerful. So let me ask you: When you first started applying this tool to your own, let's just say marriage, as the example, yeah, was your husband on board to try it right away? Because I can imagine, right, someone going to their significant other with, like, "Oh, here's the sheet. I printed it out for you. Like, we had an argument or something, and I want to you to do this, and I'm going to do this." But they're thinking, so, like, how did that work? What did that?
1: For us, it was really we were really um, fortunate because we learned this in the marriage workshop that we were in. And so we had the safety of doing it there, right? You know, they taught each step in depth. And then even as leaders, when we were table leaders, we would have time where we could go and we would talk through a conflict and we would have a coach there listening to us who could kind of be a third person just to listen, make sure we didn't go off the rails, right? We had hard stuff we were talking through. So for us, that was a real benefit that it was presented to Mm -hmm. us in a marriage workshop where we were both there. If you you know, I Yeah, I think, I think learning it really well and trying it yourself first, would be a first step. Because if you go to your, your husband, let's say, and say, Oh, my gosh, I learned this tool. You know, I looked it up, I even have a handout that I don't know if we could link it in the Mm -hmm. comments. But I have this as a handout, I've been using this, and it's really helping me. And it's really and I'm wondering if I could share it with you. You know, that that would be better than just saying, here, read this or, you know, do this yourself, but to be able to say, I've tried this and it's really good. I think this could be helpful for us. And it is different. Doing the reflective listening feels weird because you're kind of, it's like going through the drive through and ordering and then they repeat your order back to you and you get a chance to correct it if they got it wrong. That's kind of what reflective listening is. Yeah. And it can feel awkward. Like, so what I heard you say is you felt sad when blah, blah, blah. But it's really important to do that because you're just making sure that you got it right, that you heard it right. And if sometimes my husband might say something to me that's kind of a little abrasive or whatever, I found that if I can if I can use that even just in the moment and say, so what I just heard you say is this, this, and this. Is that right? It gives him a chance to say, no, that's not really how I wanted to say it. Let me try it again. Right. So you can use all the parts of this in just normal everyday conversation yeah. as well. For big stuff. I wish after that conflict with my daughter, I processed it with my therapist, we went back and we did some repair work. But I came away from that thinking what I want to learn to do is next time I'm upset, like really upset. And someone says, Are you mad at me? What I want to say is, you know what, I feel upset, but I'm not really sure yet what that's all about. I need to take some time to process it. Mm, Yeah, but I love you. You are so important to me. And I promise I will come back and talk to you if there's something there that I need to talk about. And to just so good take the time,
0: yeah, and I think that yeah. this is a tool, like learning how to communicate well with others, and part yeah. of that is learning how to table our own like you said, like to have time to process before yeah. we explode, you know hopefully yeah. most of the time, and it is so important, and uh, I mean they use reflective listening in so many areas, even in business, mm-hmm. but it's something most of us haven't mastered, right, yeah. especially in our personal or our deepest relationships, and so I think it's so important just even on our flight home from our last trip, my husband and I, we had a great week, you know, no conflict the whole week. But then we traveled for 24 hours on the way home. And literally it was the last flight, two hours before we get home. And we were actually sitting uh, on each side of the aisle. So we were close to each other because it was like four in the middle and I didn't want to sit in the middle either. Yeah, I like to get up a lot. So anyways, we're beside each other, but in the aisles in between us, he's watching stuff on his phone before we take off and I tapped him a couple times and usually he's like, okay, yeah, yeah. What he takes out his earbuds. But this last time he kind of snipped. And he's like, what do you want? And I was, I hadn't slept for almost 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I just was so upset and I just turned and didn't, wouldn't look at him like the rest of the flight. Well, he maybe tried to grab my arm one time, but I was mad. Right. Like I was just like, are you kidding me? Like we are about to take mm-hmm. off. They told us there was going to be turbulence. I'm already thinking like, what if I don't even get to talk? Like, you know, I'm just, I'm already yeah. this other place in my head. Yeah. The point is, is it wasn't until we're probably landing that I'm just kind of like, well, I'm just still upset with you. And he's like, why? And of course, he's like, are you kidding me? Like you're, but one, I get it. I was probably being very overly critical because I was very tired. I was exhausted. I couldn't sleep the whole time. But yet, at the same time, he wasn't noticing. But it's like if I had just actually been able to have the forethought to say, did you mean to speak to me that way? Because Mm -hmm. this is what I just took from that, and it offended me. Yeah. But instead, I retreated, right, and I oh. just thought, well, h- either he'll come, like, do something about it, but he didn't. Like, yeah. he didn't even have a clue, and he fell asleep, right. But then I'm upset, worrying about it the whole rest of the time. Yeah. But Had I used a tool, right, yep. to, to say, like, hold on, I'm not going to leave it at this moment. I'm going to address it at least to, to say, is that how you meant? Is that what you meant? Because this is yeah. what I thought. It would have changed those last two hours in the plane for me. Right. Yep. And so the point is, is these are things that if we actually practice them and we got better at them, they will yes. start to natural. And so I think it's. Yes. that It was such great um, examples and such great tools. Yeah. And, so I really appreciate that.
1: Thanks, and I think I love that example that you just gave because that's real. That's everyday life. Or that's just like <laughs> real life. But yeah. the other thing I want to really quickly say: the biggest, hardest thing I had to learn in my marriage mm-hmm. was yes, you, you know, stepping away so that you can process. But I was doing it in a way that was really hurtful to my husband when we would get into a fight, yeah. things would escalate. So any of you that are listening that have, you know, kind of volatile, like, conflicts where you get into it, and both people are raising their voices or whatever, and you feel like you need to step away, what I would do is I would walk out of the room and say, I'm done with you. I'm okay. done. I don't yeah. like the way you're talking to me. I'm done. And I would leave the room like that. And what my art counselor helped me with was to be able to turn one last time to say, I need to take some time to process because I'm very upset. But I love you. And I'm not going anywhere. And I know we can work through this, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to go for and that made all the difference in the world because then my husband could kind of relax a little bit. He wasn't afraid I was going to take off and leave the house or that that withdrawal to him was so painful. And he learned how to let me have that space. So we both had to work really hard to to do this in a loving way. It's not loving when you fling one last, like, you know, this zinger at the person as you're like, I got to go process my thoughts. It, it can be very loving if you are able to say, I love you, you matter to me. I need to process before I can try to speak because I don't want to hurt you. And I, I just need to take some time. Right? No, yeah. such,
0: such a good example. And once again, it comes down to Learning these things and then practicing them, because otherwise, in the heat of the moment, let's be honest, we're not going to do the same, right? We're gonna, right. we're gonna have a pattern of behavior that's from our past if we haven't addressed it yeah. yet. And so, that's yes. so good. Yeah. So, Becky, before we wrap up and you share with us how people can connect with you, do you have any just last words of encouragement you want to share with the audience just about um, building strong, beautiful relationships?
1: I think the thing that I tell myself all the time is that our story is not over. You know, if you're in a painful place, it's you know God to trust that God is working. Really try to discern what and what's the next right step for you. What is the next thing that you can do to take care of yourself, to be intentional in your relationship, to get some help or some support. I love that you you talk about friendships. I cannot imagine going through the hard stuff that we've gone through in marriage, in parenting without my circle of friends, being able to reach out and text somebody and say, can you just pray for us? We're really struggling right now. Just send that out. You don't have to have a conversation even right. um, in the moment. But so our story's not over, you know, and we are growing marriage is a place can be a place for healing. Yeah. And I know that that's what God wants to do and in our families as well. One of the quotes I love is we are broken in families. And we are healed in families and families where we are healed. And I think that's, that's been our experience. Yeah.
0: I love it. So good. All right. So Becky, share with us. How can people connect with you online and learn more about your books and speaking and all the other things that you're doing in the world?
1: Yeah. So my website is a great place to find out all about that speaking books. Um, I got great recipes on there too. I love to cook. Yeah. Um, so com, And then you can also find me on Facebook and Instagram under my full name, Becky Boudouin, also. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you so much for joining us today and sharing you, what real life looks like in marriage and raising adult kids.
1: Thanks so much. It was great to talk to you.
0: Absolutely. Before I wrap up today's episode, I did want to go back and talk to you about what the data says about prayer and marriage uh, because obviously I said, I was trying to remember uh, what the stat was and I wasn't really sure. So I'm going to go back and talk about that. So the first stat that I think I had seen is that there was a study in 2010 or a paper written that said the couple that prays together and they actually were looking at um, African-American and Latino couples, but the data basically found that traditionally marriages and in divorce, I think it's between 50%, but then people... Uh, and sometimes people of faith, it's something like 26% of marriages it may end in divorce. But it said couples that pray together in this particular study. And, and remember, in that study, they only looked at Latino and African-American couples. They found that only 1 in 1,500 couples actually dissolved their marriages. In other words, so the number, it's it's less than 1% of marriages who prayed together daily ended their marriage. In this example, right, and in, in so and in this study, and it was in only certain groups of people that they looked at. So that's the one set I saw. So I dug into it a little bit further, and here's what else I found. So basically, there's been more recent studies or data that showed, and one of them is from Psychology Today, I and mean, the article's in there, and it's from 2017. But it basically says the power of prayer can actually improve your marriage. It said it. Increases relational commitment and satisfaction, decreases infidelity, and, and it proves that faith promotes faithfulness. And so, basically, what/how they break it down is this: when you pray for your spouse, when you pay pray for your partner, your that person's likelihood of um, being unfaithful or thinking about those sort of activities goes down. And they say that it's most likely because. It makes you think or feel like your relationship is more sacred. And of course, you're thinking about that person. But that's what the data shows. I think it was a six-week study where they had three different groups of people. One, they gave them specific things to pray about. And then two, the other group was just praying whatever they wanted to pray about. And then the third group was just the, uh, you know, the group that was just staying constant. In other words, they weren't uh, praying specifically about these things or maybe at all. But they they call it partner-focused petitionary prayer. And it says it's linked to relational satisfaction and level of commitment. And basically what they're saying is don't just pray what you want to pray about. Don't just pray for yourself, but pray for your spouse. And that that can actually reduce infidelity. Because the person praying, right? In other words, the person praying is less likely to be unfaithful. And so super powerful there. And then it goes on to say, praying for and with your partner increases relational trust. And so if we actually are willing, if we're not already doing this, praying together as a couple, then it actually can make us feel more connected, but also trust each other more. And I think just like Becky brought up in the conversation today, it also makes you feel that it's a safe space. You can be more vulnerable. You can open up and share maybe in ways that you might not. If you're not sitting there in that sacred way of praying together, you know, about things going on in your life. Here's the thing, regardless of what the data is showing us or how small a group they're studying or for how long, I think it's showing us that if we take our faith seriously, if we're able to, with our spouse, deepen our prayer life, deepen our uh, praying for our significant other and then praying together, there are great benefits to our marriage, the same benefits, but this is really powerful, especially for all of us of faith. And so I just wanted to share a little bit of the data with you. And I'd love to know, do you pray together, you and your significant other, if you're married? And if you do, have you found it being powerful or transformative? All right. I wanted to wrap up today's episode with Ephesians 4, 31 to 32, which says "Banish bitterness, rage, and anger. Shouting and slander and any and, and all malicious thoughts. These are poison. Instead, be kind and compassionate. Graciously forgive one another, just as God has forgiven you. I think that's such a great reminder that in our relationships, especially our marriage, which, you know, for hopefully if we're fortunate and we work on it can last a really long time. And, you know, our relationships with our children as they grow into adults, we want to show up being our best. We want to learn how to communicate well how to resolve conflict, and how to heal and grow for ourselves, you know, what we each need to work on. And then so that we can come together and really be our strongest selves. And of course, adding in prayer, as we've talked about, is so powerful in just making sure that our relationship is also tied to God. All right. And I did want to let you know, if you haven't already grabbed it, I have a great resource for you. You can go to kristenfitch.com slash freebies or just go to kristenfitch.com and grab or go to the freebies business tools page. But I have two freebies for you. I have one that's called joyful living. It's a 15 day devotional. And then I also have a workbook called reignite your passion, but it really helps you walk through really understanding who you are, what's important to you, you know, how you were made and so much more, but it is powerful and. I definitely put my heart and soul into designing that for you because it's what I needed and it's what so many other women that I talked to and men needed as well. All right, also to grab that download that we talked about, the awareness or the dialogue wheel, check the show notes. There'll be a link to that. And there's also a link to, of course, all of Becky's stuff. And then there's a link to the book that she mentioned as well. So go to the show notes and go click those links if any of that is of interest to you. And thanks again for listening in. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can check out freebies and resources we have for you at kristinfitch.com. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at kristenfitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. Until next time, have a great week.